Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. This week on the Chicago Bears Review. With their loss to Tampa Bay in their rear view, the Bears took the field on Sunday against the Giants, looking to bounce back and play spoiler to a team on a four-game winning streak and looking to make the playoffs. Did the Bears land on their feet, or did they fall once again? All of this plus bear up and bear down on the Week 11 Review episode of the Chicago Bears Review. You know, there was this great line in the movie, The Godfather Part 3. It's actually one of the lines, one of the only lines people still remember from that movie. Just when I thought I was out, they pull me back in. Just when I thought that I had completely written off this team and was ready to just kind of go through the motions to get through 2016 and move forward, the Bears come out and score on their first three possessions against a good playoff-bound team, and all of a sudden, I'm invested again. What's going on, everybody? Larry D. back for week number 11 review episode of the Chicago Bears Review, and we warned or we talked about how the Giants are notorious. Even our, our guest, Brandon Estrick, talked about this on the show uh, last week about how the, the Giants are notorious for having letdown games. Not so much like trap games, but just letdown games. And it looked like from the very beginning in this football game that the Bears were poised to bring that to life once again. The Giants came out kind of, uh, well, not necessarily flat because they traded touchdowns to start the game off, but you know, it was definitely the Bears that were dictating the pace of the game. It was the Bears that were coming out, uh, you know, on top of the exchanges. Early on, the Bears got a call, uh, you know, that helped extend the drive and so on and so forth. And you just kind of got the feeling three out of the first four possessions, they only had four possessions in the first half and they scored on the first three. You know, it's like this was, I mean, Brandon and I were tweeting back and forth to each other and you know he seemed like he was kind of down on the Giants or you know very much of kind of here we go again type thing with the whole letdown uh, situation and, and I tweeted him early on that um, you know don't get too discouraged because the Bears are notorious this year at least for petering out in the second half and um, you know he was just you know going on about how they they didn't look you know they didn't they weren't playing well and I tweeted back to him well you know I, I know what you mean um, you know, giving up 16 points to a team that's only averaging or giving up 16 points in the first half to a team that's averaging 15.7 game, 15.7 a game is not a good look. Well, as it would turn, you know, it was a tale of two halves because in the first half, the Bears were competitive. They were, uh, you know, very much in, in, in charge of the game, had the lead going into the half again. And, uh, you know, as, as usual, in the second half, uh, they blew it. You know, they, they let it get by. And, and the other thing was they had their chances at the end of the game, which is different. 
You know, usually it's the the watching the other team pull away from us uh, in the second half is, is what we have to do. The Bears still had chances. I mean, the Giants tried to give this game away a couple of times, and um, the Bears just would not take it from them. You know, like they just flat out didn't want it. Uh, I, I don't know. It's uh, it's hard to talk. It's hard to uh, put together. But it just, you know, an extremely frustrating game uh, to watch, especially in the second half. You know, the first half, the three out of the four possessions, two touchdowns and a field goal, um, you know. And then in the second half, the Giants came right out of the gate, two touchdowns back-to-back on their opening drives, and those were all the points they needed. That's what they, you know, that ended up being the difference in the game. And then the fourth quarter, um, you know, the defense really tried to help the offense out, man. They really did. Instead of kind of watching them fade into the second half, the defense really stepped it up in the second half. You know, you kind of really felt bad for them in the second half that they were doing their best to give the Bears offense opportunities, and the offense just wouldn't take advantage of them. So, I mean, it just uh, an extremely frustrating game uh, to watch in the second half. The the first half was like, oh, this could be nice, you know, to watch the Bears, a, a two and seven team, uh, you know, steal a win on the road because we're still winless on the road. Oh, and six now, uh, thanks to this loss. But, uh, you know, to steal a win on the road against the team that's most likely heading to the playoffs uh, right now and, um, you know, see what the Bears could do, especially with this with the 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 shape that the um, NFC North is in right now. Um, but, uh, you know, of course the bears went ahead and secured another loss, their eighth of the season and, uh, six, six games to go. And, uh, you know, we get back to back home games now, uh, including one game that I desperately want badly. Uh, not this next one against Tennessee, but the one after (laughs) against the 49ers, we got to get that game back, man. We really got to, but, uh. (sighs) <sighs> anyway, while we say we go ahead and get started here, uh, we'll start out with the knee-jerk reactions to kind of uh, get this, uh, get through this, and kind of get it uh, over with. Because uh, as usual, it you know, I I, I kind of had a funny thought. I wish that um, that uh, memory eraser thing from Men in Black was real, because then we could go in at halftime, flash the whole team. And then tell them it's kickoff. It's the first half. We're going to go out there. It's zero to zero. Let's go out there, boys, and get it done. And then they can play in the second half the way they did in the first. And we might actually win some of these games uh, throughout the the remainder uh, of the season. You know, because if you look at the schedule, with the shape, like I said, if with the shape that the NFC North is in right now, with the the the, the games that we have left, the only game on the schedule that I can for certain say that we will definitely lose right at this point is the Washington game. You know, I think the Bears have a chance to win every single game on the schedule that's left. We got Tennessee and San Francisco at home. Okay. We won't be favored. Well, I think we should be favored against San Francisco, but you never know. We won't be favored against Tennessee. They're too good on offense. Um, But we can beat the Titans. It's possible. We can beat San Francisco. They're the only team in the NFC with a worse record than us. Um, then we have uh, Detroit. We've already proven we can beat them. They're a lot better now than they were then, but that's a, it's a divisional game, so people wouldn't be too surprised if we won it. Then we have Green Bay at home, or is it Washington? 
It doesn't matter. We we got Green Bay at home. The Green Bay Packers are playing horrible football right now. They're four and six. They lost again last night to the Redskins. Then we have the Redskins. I think the one game that I would definitely say the Bears will not win. And then we're we're on the road at Minnesota to finish out the uh, to finish out the season. We've already beaten Minnesota, and we did so in convincing fashion. But uh, you know, again, another divisional game that people wouldn't be too surprised. Oh, the Bears won. They beat a divisional opponent. Big deal. You know, of the six games that we have left, the Washington game is the one, the only one that I would sit here and say right here, right now, the Bears won't win that game. You know, but I, the Bears have a chance in these remaining games. I don't think we're going to win five out of six to finish out the year seven and nine. It would be a goddamn miracle if that happened. But, um, you know, I'm just saying that, you know, with the schedule that we have left, we should win more games than we lose. Uh, you know, that's just how I look at it. But, um, you know, that's just me, the internal, the eternal foolish optimist, I, I guess, or or maybe just, you know, like I said last week, I'm just sick of watching the team lose. I want to see them win, you know, to hell with all this nonsense about let's lose out and get a high draft pick. That's so stupid. If that's what happens, fine. But I'm not going to root for that to happen. I refuse to do that. I will not root for the Bears to lose. You know, maybe that's like I was talking to Ron Rugg on the phone uh, last night, and he's like, you know, I'm not going to root for the Bears to lose, but, you know, that's the silver lining to the Bears losing is that the more they lose, the higher the draft pick. And I think that's an okay way to look at it, you know, because – in the, in in the end of it you still want the bears to win you still want the bears to win you know cuz even those number 2 draft picks don't always work out you know what i'm saying so um yeah so right now i'm i'm i i think i i will adopt ron's way of looking at things like i'm going to root for the bears every sunday until there are no more sundays left if they win great if they don't then you know Hey, higher draft choice. You know, that's the silver lining. I'm not going to sit here and be disappointed that the Bears beat somebody because now we're going to draft seven instead of five or something like that. I just don't see the – this just doesn't make any sense to me. To sit here and root for them to lose is just stupid. So um, I, I don't I don't believe in that, and I, I won't endorse that mindset at all. So I want to see the Bears win. I would like to see them finish 500. I want them to win all six of these goddamn games, and I don't care if we're picking in the middle of the round. It doesn't matter to me. You know, I'm, I'm a here and now uh, kind of guy. So Pace has done pretty good with his draft choices so far. Uh, granted, with Leonard Floyd damn near killing himself yesterday, uh, first-rounders need some work. But uh, the second through the end of the draft, he's done pretty well with. So, uh, you know, we'll uh, I, I trust what, you know, that what he'll be able to do uh, with the draft anyway. So what do you say we go ahead and uh, get started here with these uh, knee-jerk reactions here, starting with the first quarter and a little bit of uh, kind of shock and optimism after the first quarter went down. <laughs> knee-jerk reaction to the first quarter of the Bears and the Giants. And um, so far, so good for the Bears, I guess. We've had two drives uh, in the first quarter. The first one ending with a touchdown to Zach Miller from uh, from Jay Cutler. Um, the Bears got a... Um, um, 
roughing the passer call on, on second down or the just the second play from scrimmage that uh, boosted them uh, you know near midfield and the Bears kind of took it uh, from there Jordan Howard running the ball well uh, Jeremy Langford coming off the bench to catch a couple of passes uh, for first downs and then a brilliant throw uh, from Jay to Zach Miller uh, for the touchdown I mean, it was really really good looking throw uh, to get it in there but True to form, Connor Barth, wide right on the extra point, so that happened. Uh, what's even funnier is that the Giants came right back down, 11 plays, I think seven and a half minutes of their own, put the ball in the end zone uh, as well, only to have good old Robbie Gold doink the extra point off the upright, so it's 6-6. Uh, the Bears drive the, down the field, it stalls around the 30 or so, and Connor Barth actually remembers to put the ball between the uprights, not on the outside, to give the Bears a 9-6 to six lead. And uh, those three drives pretty much took up the entire quarter uh, for both of these teams. The Giants only had about 20 seconds left, ran one play, and that's where we're at right now as we go into the second quarter. The pass rush hasn't been very effective for the Bears, but then again, they're pretty much doing what they want on the offensive side so far. So a lot more competent, no mistakes so far in the first quarter. So every, like I said, so far, so thank you very much, Buckshot. He's playing with a squeaky toy right now. So far, so good for the Bears with a 9-6 to lead going into the second quarter. <laughs> Anytime I get on the phone, anytime I'm recording my show, anytime that it's apparent that I'm talking to someone or, you know, it's anyone that isn't him, he has to bring me toys. All of a sudden he wants to get affectionate. And I'm talking about my dog, of course. Um, right now he's laying on my lap as I'm sitting here on the couch uh, recording the show. But, uh, you know, anytime the phone rings and it's I'm, I'm on the phone with somebody, all of a sudden uh, need to focus on him. So... Uh, so that's what the whole bringing me the squeaky toy was all about as I'm trying to record my knee-jerk reaction. But you heard me talking about it there uh, in the reaction was that, you know, it was kind of the opposite of what we were expecting in the first quarter. We weren't expecting the offense to come charging out uh, in the first quarter, you know, two drives in the first quarter, two scoring scoring drives there you know two for two not bad you know what i'm saying and uh uh we were expecting that the, the pass rush would have more success against a a wobbly offensive line uh for the giants and um that just wasn't really happening and as a matter of fact it didn't happen uh at all uh in the game the pass rush was widely ineffective uh in this football game i don't know what it was that the giants did different but i'm quite certain that the bears did not sack eli manning at all in this game and i'm trying to pull it up now to see if that's something we can uh we can see you know jay cutler uh don't want to talk about that um yeah eli manning sacked zero times 36 pass attempts he wasn't sacked once uh in the game so i mean that's there you go so i mean that's yeah anyway it just um it was that type of uh, uh of backwards thing where it's just uh you know or or that uh that that nice pessimistic attitude that I like to have sometimes where you know hey if you've got something that's not working play the bears and you'll be able to fix it if you're having trouble pass blocking and the bears have the number 8 pass defense in the NFL they won't touch Eli Manning and they didn't you know they, we put some hits on Eli from time to time. There was uh, 
C.J. Wilson, whoever the hell that is, um, was playing in place of Eddie Goldman, whose ankle injury resurfaced or was bad enough that he didn't play against the Giants. And I said before the game even started, I sent that, that was the first tweet that I sent to Brandon Estrick. I told him Eddie Goldman not playing leaves a huge hole in the uh, in the middle of that defensive line could make things much easier for the Giants as far as pass blocking because that was something that was huge last week for the Bears against Tampa Bay. Now, you know, for all the things that uh, that the Bears did not do well, one thing that they did was rush the passer extremely well uh, against the Buccaneers. It's just that Jameis Winston was a bit uh, was a bit shiftier than than uh, we can handle uh, at times. He's a tremendously mobile guy and he was able to to shake that that's not something that Eli Manning specializes in but without having that big force up the middle in Eddie Goldman there wasn't you know it was easy for Eli to step up in the pocket when Floyd and McPhee and Willie Young and and Sam Acho were coming off the edges easy for him to step up because the middle of the field was protected and um, you know in the first quarter that's kind of what we were seeing you know you heard me say the pass rush was ineffective but the offense is pretty much doing what they want um you know whatever uh plays they had scripted going into uh the game the offense was able to do that without any difficulty and and did so through the entire first half for the most part and then I don't know what it was that happens in that second half with the adjustments. If if we don't make adjustments, I remember I think talking to Lori uh, Latimer Volkman from the Mile High Report. Uh, you know, John Fox's former team in Denver saying that he doesn't make second half adjustments. He goes in there with an idea of what he wants to do, and they stick with it no matter what. And you know, it's it's becoming apparent that that's true because we 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 tend to to to, to peter out in the second half because we're trying to do the same thing that we were doing in the first half and it's not working anymore but we're going to keep going with it uh until we can run it into the ground and when we end up losing football games and um you know as we go into the second half you know the bears once again another touchdown drive i mean just chugging right up and down the field and uh the giants were only able to come back with a field goal and for the I don't know how many times this season the Bears carry a lead into the half. Into the half. <laughs> Knee jerk reaction to the second quarter: the Bears and the Giants, and uh, you know it's um, it's still a so far so good type situation. Uh, the Bears had four offensive drives and ended up with three scores, uh, two touchdowns, and a field goal. And quite frankly, she would have been in a position to make it four for four had it not been for a Mike Adams holding penalty right there on a third and ten. The Bears had a great screenplay. Jordan Howard gets the first down, but Mike Adams called for a uh, holding penalty that brings it back, uh, and they can't convert on third and twenty. So that's where the Bears uh, come up short. Uh, right now, it's it's aside from that one penalty, it's basically mistake-free football. That's how the Bears beat the Vikings. It's what they're doing now uh, against the Giants. They're not allowing any big plays and making any foolish mistakes on the defensive side. And offensively, Jay is being smart uh, with the football uh, for the most part. He tried to get cute on one of those shovel passes with Jordan Howard nearly got picked off by Landon Collins, who was basically right there. But uh, aside from that, that's why the Bears are winning.
You know, we, we talked about before how John Fox said the Bears have a small margin for error, which is basically zero in order to win football games because, you know, with injuries and, and whatnot, they're not talented enough to get away with a bunch of mistakes. Well, they haven't made any real mistakes in this football game, and that's why they're ahead for now, 16-9. to nine. Uh, They're giving the ball back to start the second half, but we're ahead with the lead and, quite frankly, with the momentum. So we'll see how it shakes out in the second half. <laughs> And let's talk about that Mike Adams penalty uh, for a second. Um, I spent a lot of time on Twitter yesterday just kind of watching the feed and seeing what everyone was saying and uh, and everything. And, and there were a lot of people that were completely up in arms about that holding penalty on Mike Adams. And, you know, while I agree that it was a bad call, but it's just one of those things where it's it's just like if you if the referees see a certain thing, they're going to make that call every time. And the reason that they called Adams for the for the hold penalty is that his defender ran across his face and led, you know, where it was like Adams had him kind of squared up. So he's got both hands, you know, underneath the shoulder pads, you know, on, on either side. And he cuts across Adams' face. And when he did that, it kind of made it look like Adams like was wrapping his arm around his left arm all the way over to the other guy's right side, you know, to where it kind of looks like he's holding him. You know, it, it looked like a hold, but it wasn't. I mean, it basically the, the guy broke away from Adams and that was it. And, um, you know, but when the referees see that, they're going to call it every single time. They're going to call that every single time. I mean, you see what they call on defensive holds sometimes. You know, and that's that's what happened there. Um, it was it wasn't a good call. I don't think you know that could just be my bear bias. Uh, you know, coming out there, but you know, I don't think it was a good call. But I can definitely see why the ref made the call. I can definitely see. I mean, even though he didn't hold the guy when he ran across Adam's face, that split second that he has to see everything in real time, it would look like a hold. You know, like I honestly, in the referee's defense, if I see that. I probably call holding myself, you know, uh, you know, go back and, and look at it. And it just like the, the guy ran across Adam's face. And when he did, Adams let him go. But seeing the arm across the chest, you know, looks like a hold. They're going to call that every time. So, I mean, it was a bad, bad luck more than anything. But that's just encapsulates the season. But uh, that would have put the Bears in in scoring position for at least a for at least a field goal to make things, you know, 19, 19 to nine going into the uh, into the half. But uh, unfortunately, that, you know, came back for 10 yards and uh, didn't convert on third and 20. And that was the end of our offensive exploits in the uh, in the first half. And unfortunately, that was the end of our offensive exploits for the game because the Bears went scoreless in the second half. And that opened the floodgates for yet another loss for our beloved and in the in the third quarter you can kind of see the seeds of it um you know in the third quarter at least it was the bears being the bears again where and you you actually i think i even actually say this in the knee in the reaction is the offense can't stay on the field and the defense can't get off of it knee-jerk reaction to the bears and the giants after three quarters and 
it's turning out to be a tale of two halves as the, the second half gets underway the Giants are guns blazing uh, their first two drives in the, in the third quarter result in touchdowns that give them the opportunity to take the lead uh, 22 to 16 that's where we sit right now as we enter the fourth quarter the Bears on the other hand are just back to their old selves again the offense is three and out three and out three and out and the defense can't get themselves off of the field and we, we you know we wonder how this is going to affect them going into the uh into the fourth quarter if the Bears offense can't give the defense a break we're just going to continue to watch them deteriorate in front of the Giants as they take advantage of what the Bears are giving them so um, right now the Bears are actually on their longest drive of the half uh, they're in Giants territory they're struggling right now no Zach Miller who's out with a foot injury Josh Sitton went out with another ankle injury you know I swear to God this team is made out of paper mache they couldn't stay healthy if their lives depend Ended on it, it seems like. I don't know what it is about the Bears and their cursed health the last few years. It's been unbelievable how the Bears just cannot stay healthy no matter what. It's unbelievable. So uh, we go into the fourth quarter. The Bears are down 22 to 16, but they are driving. That drive, if I'm not mistaken, ended in a missed field goal from Connor Barth. Now, in in Connor's defense, I mean, he has not been fantastic this year. He missed a, a field goal and an extra point uh, in this one. Um, for starters, uh, Robbie Gold missed two. <laughs> he missed two extra points um, in this game. But um, it it was the windy as hell. I mean, there was like 20, 30-mile-an-hour winds uh, in the Meadowlands uh, yesterday. So, you know, the crosswinds were, were difficult yesterday. So... I, th- I actually think the trajectory kind of blew the blew the field because it looked like it was good until the very last second. Then it just kind of skewed off to the left and was it was wide left on. Actually, I think he doinked that one off the he doinked that one off the the upright. Anyway, you know it wasn't all him. You know I I think that uh, all things being equal, he'd have been able to put that one put that one through. But the the windiness in in New York City just wasn't having it yesterday. But um, you know in the third quarter. You know, like I said, the, the Bears couldn't get themselves off the field defensively, couldn't stay on the field offensively, and then try right there at the end in the fourth quarter, it was like the first half again. We're moving the football, the defense is getting the offense the ball back, but the offense is doing nothing with it. At, at this point, the, the, the offensive line was really falling apart. I mean, Jay had been under a lot of pressure throughout most – of the game and I don't know if it was losing sitting that really kind of hurt the Bears because it really just kind of seemed to really go downhill after that it really did and um, you know what 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 struck me was that the Bears were basically playing with the same offensive line with sitting out and and long not playing it really did it really was kind of the same offensive line that the Bears dominated the Vikings with you know and this is a defense in the Minnesota that's better than the one we were facing yesterday and instead we were getting ragdolled all over the place uh, up front we, I mean that's what really was the the tale of two halves was in the first half um, you know three score drives three scoring drives out of four in the first half zero interceptions uh, zero turnovers, zero sacks, virtually zero mistakes, aside from that one holding penalty right there at the end of the first half from Mike Adams. 
you know, the, the virtually a mistake-free first half, and then in the second half, four sacks uh, on the offensive line. Um, you know, we we can't run the ball. Jordan Howard had 72 yards rushing in the first half. He had five in the second. Uh, I think he, or at least at that point, that they said he had 72 in the first half, and in the second half he had five carries for five yards, and I think that was about midway through the fourth quarter. I'm not sure uh, how he actually uh, ended up. As a matter of fact, let me take a quick look, and, um, you know, we'll see. Jordan, no, that was it. 70, 17 carries, 77 yards. That's outstanding. So he, he did rush for five yards in the second half. So, But, you know, the, the Giants were a lot more stout against the run uh, the entire second half. Uh, even Jeremy Langford was not doing very well. Uh, running the football uh, either and um, you know having to pass more the Giants were able to just pin their ears back and come after us and they had a lot more success four sacks in the second half but the thing that made it intriguing was that with uh, Robbie missing his second extra point in the game he left the door open for his old teammates to 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 steal this game uh, from the Giants, all we needed was a touchdown and for Connor Barth to make an extra point, and the Bears could have stolen that game uh, in New York. But um, you know, as we all know, that was not meant to be. <laughs> Knee-jerk reaction in the fourth quarter: the Bears and the Giants. And uh, you know, I'll give the Bears some credit; they hung tough, they took it all the way down to the very end. But in the end, they did what they do to lose football games: they make mistakes. In the second half, the offensive line, well, the first half, the offensive line gave up zero sacks, gave up four in the second half, and Cutler was under pressure a lot more than just those four sacks. Jay threw an interception uh, with the Bears driving uh, to try, to actually to take the lead because of Robbie Gold's missed field goals. We score a touchdown, we can take the lead uh, with the extra points. So, uh, But unfortunately, uh, Jay had been flirting with an interception all day long and finally served one up. Uh, uh, to Landon Collins to, to end the football game with about a minute 10 uh, to go in the game. And uh, the Giants hang on, and the Bears go scoreless in the second half after scoring on their first three possessions, two touchdowns and a field goal. They go scoreless throughout the rest of the football game and lose it 22-16. to 16. They fall to 2-8 and eight and head back home for back-to-back games with the Titans and 49ers. <laughs> So I really do think that whole men in black thing, or maybe we need to, to have the team go under hypnosis at halftime or something and have them come out believing that it's the first half. And they whatever juice that they're playing with in the first half, they can play with it in the second half and we might win uh, some football games. Or we might actually score 30 points in a game at some point because right now the ceiling on the, the amount of points that this football team has scored in a game is 23 in the loss to, to Indianapolis this year that is the roof on on the offensive output uh for the Bears and and we're about to play a football team in the Titans that um uh just scored 47 against the uh against the Packers last week the Titans had the week off this week, I believe that they did had the week. No, 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 no. They they played Indianapolis yesterday, as a matter of fact. Um, but this is a team that's that they just and they yeah they had to come back from behind on Indianapolis. But this is a team that's two weeks removed from scoring forty seven against Green Bay, a team we could only muster ten points against. So it could get ugly in in Soldier Field uh, on Sunday. So um, 
you know, uh, the fourth quarter was was probably the most frustrating one to watch because because the defense stepped up in the fourth quarter, which is something that we haven't seen them do all year long. We haven't seen them do it at that all season long. We, we always kind of have to sit there and kind of bite our nails on what this team is going to do in the fourth quarter. And in the fourth quarter, the defense decided to fight. They decided to fight, and they got the football back in the hands of the offense who just kept giving it back to the Giants. You know, they ended up having just give it back, give it back, give it back, despite all the opportunities that the defense was, was uh, you know, was giving uh, the Bears. You know, they, they kept giving the football back to them, and the offense did nothing with it. Um, you know, the Giants could have put this game away a couple of times, but they just kept coming up short on the offensive side. Even a field goal would have made it impossible for the Bears to win because they can't muster one score. What the hell makes you think they're going to get two? You know what I mean? So, um, you know, that's what made it frustrating was that um, – one half of this football team really wanted to win the game, and I'm not saying that the offense didn't; they just couldn't, you know. And that was the that was difficult to sit there and and watch the defense putting together a pretty decent effort after you know coming off coming off soft in the, at the beginning of the half. They finished strong, getting after Eli and, and and everything. They didn't sack him, which was the most disappointing thing, but. Um, you know they made the effort they did and once again no turnovers this defense got to do something about making some turnovers man you know we had a huge opportunity uh in the fourth quarter there uh their punt returner muffed a kick and Josh Bellamy god bless him he's been an outstanding special teams player or one of the better ones that we have ball hit him right in the chest hit him right in the chest you know the the kid took his eyes off the ball and it it hit him in his face mask. That's why he muffed the punt. And there it is. It bounces right in front of Bellamy, and it bounces right off of Bellamy's chest. And there are like four Giants behind him who then recover the football. And that was the Bears' best chance because it would have put the Bears like first and ten at the Giants' like 25, 30-yard line, wherever it would have been. Um, you know, Pat O'Donnell had an amazing day kicking the football despite the conditions uh, for the win. Maybe we should teach this kid how to kick field goals. But, um, you know, it's just, um, it just one of those things where the Bears aren't capitalizing on the mistakes that the Giants are making, and they're not forcing mistakes out of the Giants at the same time. That's what's really missing from the progress that the defense uh, made yesterday in playing a 60-minute game for once. But, um, you know, the offense just couldn't get it together once the Giants took care of the running game and put it all on the passing game, which is which was hugely ineffective after, you know, no Alshon Jeffrey, and then we lost Zach Miller to the fit injury, which, happy, happy news, he's done for the season. So, holy hell, man. You heard me talk about it in one of the knee-jerk reactions. I think it was the third quarter knee-jerk reactions. The team is made out of paper mache. We can't stay healthy to save our lives. I mean, it really has been since we got Tressman that we've had to deal with injuries at a level that we're not familiar with in Chicago. You know, that's the one thing that I've missed as far as, uh, you know, obviously we miss how well how well the defense played, but it's just since Lovey left, we've had one of the unhealthiest franchises in football. You know, whatever it was, I mean, we lost Jay for half a season in 2000. 
13. Granted, it didn't matter much because Josh McCown was awesome, but, you know, Henry Melton, we lost him for the season with a knee injury, and, you know, we were were playing with virtually nothing on the defensive line in 2013 because anybody that was anybody – uh, on the on the defensive line, except for maybe Julius Peppers, was banged up and hurt and lost for the season. You know, uh, Lance Briggs was in and out of the lineup because he was banged up. DJ Williams, our middle linebacker, in and out of the lineup because he was banged up. And our defense was horrendous, was the only thing that kept the 2013 Bears from doing anything, winning the division, going to the playoffs, and uh, and whatnot. It was having the worst defense in football that year that kept the Bears out. 2014 was more of the same, only it was both sides of the ball uh, in 2014. Last year, John Fox's first year, injuries galore. And then here we are, 2016, before we even start the season, we lose Horonis Grassu. You know, for the freaking family night, we're running drills, he blows out his knee. What the hell? You know, and everywhere we turn, somebody's going down. And not just for, oh, he's, you know... Not like Eddie Royal. Oh, he stubbed the toe. He's out for the week. You know, it's like, no, uh, he dislocated his neck and he's out for the season, you know, kind of thing. And Kyle Long is gone. Uh, Josh Sitton, who knows how severe this one is. Uh, and, um, you know, Zach Miller, when he broke his foot, he knew it. He knew it. He came to the side hobbling, throwing his helmet to the ground, hands in his face, the whole nine yards. He knew it was bad. You know, I think it's the same foot injury that he suffered in, in 2014 when he had that hot preseason and, uh, you know, ended up having to lose the year because of it uh, and everything. Like, he knew right away what had happened. Um, you know, it's just, just one after another, one after another. And then you throw in the suspension for Jeffrey, that huge part of our offense uh, that's missing. It's just, it's a mess. It's a huge mess. And uh, I don't understand what the hell is happening. You know, um, you know, we've had theories. We talk about it on on football as America that, um, you know, I think one of the big reasons why uh, players get hurt, not just the Bears, but a lot of players across the league is that um, their bodies just simply aren't ready to play the game because of that new uh, collective bargaining agreement where it cut down on their practicing it cut down on the amount of contact in practice. There's no contact in OTAs anymore uh, and things like that. Because of all of that, their bodies simply aren't conditioned to play the game anymore. You know, it's, uh, you know you, you're, you're not practicing. You're, you're playing football with a body that's not prepared to play football. You know, you've heard many times before, you know, well, so-and-so is in shape, but his body's not in football shape. And... You know, we all know that to mean that basically his body's not ready to take the beating of being a football player. And I know that that the 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 CBA and and the restrictions on on on, on, on practicing and everything was due to was to try to help out with the concussion issues to lower the injuries and things like that. But you know, it, it's it's really hurt the game more than anything because there's not enough talent. I mean, you you look at the level of football that's out there. With so many people getting hurt uh, and everything, I, that's my that's my belief is that because they're because they're not practicing the way that they used to, because they're not uh, you know their bodies just aren't conditioned and or prepared to play the game. You know, they go out there and some guys can make it through, and some some are luckier than others. It's, it's to me, it's the same with you know the chances of getting hurt, but it's just. You know, if, if you don't go out there and if you don't if you're not practicing the way that you're going to play, 
If you're not practicing the way you're going to play, then it's th- there's just no way their bodies are going to be ready. You know, if you're practicing three out of the four days of the week in t-shirt and shorts, and then you expect to go out there on Sunday, play full throttle, and, and you know, and be fine with it, you know, I, I just don't see how that's going to work. I just don't see it, and and I, that's what I think is happening to a lot of teams out there. You know, you're going out there, their bodies just can't handle this. You know, it's a violent, gruesome sport. Every year it's bigger, faster, stronger with the way these athletes train, and, you know, you just see it all the time that, uh, you know, these guys are getting hurt uh, left and right, and that's that's why, that, I think that's why. That's my theory, anyway, as to why it's happening uh, at such an alarming rate because the the collective bargaining agreement says, you know, there's no more, you know, there, you know, you've cut back severely on the amount of contact because they're professionals. They know how to tackle and blah, 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 so on and so forth. That's not what it's about. It's about conditioning your body to play the game. And I think that um, when the next CBA comes around, I think that's sh- that should be a big part of it. The coaches should try to reclaim some of that control as far as getting their teams ready. And, you know, whatever issues, whatever the, the give and take, that should be one of the things that the coaches and the NFL and, and the league itself should say, this is what we want. We want more contact. We want more practice. You know, this this is why we believe they should come with stats and everything. That's just my theory. So let me get down off my uh, soapbox now. And that, that But that's why I believe one of the reasons that I think that players are getting so that are getting hurt at such an alarming rate is because they're 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 not practicing football to play football you know they're they're just going out there and walking and going through the motions and you know then they're trying to go out on Sunday and play at full speed and their bodies are paying the price for it so anyway so the bears can't pull it out in the fourth quarter they drop another one fall to two and eight. Oh my god Two and eight. And and the funny thing about it is that even if you go back with the shoulda, coulda, woulda, the Bears should be f- four and six, five and five at best. So like, let's say we give them week one against Houston, and then they should have beaten Jacksonville. That's a no-brainer. And they should have beaten Indianapolis. You know, that, that, that Detroit, Indianapolis, uh, Jacksonville three-game streak, that should have been – that should have been a three-game winning streak right there uh, for the Bears. Instead, we only we won the game that we were least likely to win against the Lions, and that's go figure. But um, you know, but even at at six and even at five and five, the Bears would only be a game back out of first place, and we'd be ahead of Green Bay of all things. We Green Bay would be in dead last right now at four and six. We'd be five and five and third behind Minnesota and Detroit, who are tied for first at uh, six and four. So. You know, that just tells you a couple of bounces here and there and what a different season we could be in right now. You know, we'd be a 500 football team talking about how, you know, this next stretch of games is going to be important because it'll determine whether or not we make the playoffs. Instead, half of us are talking about, you know, losing out to get a higher draft pick while the rest of us are talking about 2017 and who our new head coach is going to be. So, I mean, it's a it's a weird time and it's a sad time to be a Bears fan because I'm I'm sick of introducing brand new coaches. <laughs> but uh, you know, it, it looks like we're bound to have that happen again. Like John Fox is is circling the drain right now, as far as I'm concerned. But anyway, 
What do you say we go ahead and wrap this bad boy up and uh, finish everything off with everybody's favorite segment, Bear Up, Bear Down. Bear up and bear down for week number 11 as we close out this review episode of the Chicago Bears Review. And um, pretty simple. You know, I I didn't really feel like anyone kind of stood out uh, enough. Well, actually, one person did, and I'll talk about him in a second. But uh, no one really stood out on either side of the ball so much to earn their own award. So I thought I would do it like this uh, just so I could actually have a bear up and bear down segment, unlike last month, last week, where uh, I didn't even bother. Um, bear up to the first half bears, um, to the to just the team in general. You know, the defense uh, did give up a couple of scoring drives, but you know they they weren't getting blown off the ball. They were doing things well offensively, especially um, you know dictating the uh, the pace of the. Uh, game doing what they wanted to do and uh you know three scoring drives in their first four possessions in the first half really made you feel like the bears are going to make a make a run at this thing uh in in this football game and that uh you know an upset is uh is likely you know um and then on bear down to the second half team that uh the defense giving up two scoring drives to start the second half uh the offense the third quarter was pitiful uh, you know, just three and out, three and out, three and out. And then in the fourth quarter, it was the defense tried to show up again, but, you know, couldn't capitalize. And the pass rush was lacking, could not get at uh, Manning, you know, put a little bit of pressure on him, but not enough to make it count. We didn't sack the guy once. And, um, you know, the the offense had opportunities. The defense was getting the ball back, could not capitalize on it. And there you go. We lose the game uh, once again. Uh, also on the bear down side, uh, the offensive line, especially in the second half, but throughout the entire game, Jay was under a lot of pressure. He was just able to avoid it better in the first half. In the second half, they just kind of swallowed him whole. Um, and bear down to the strength and conditioning coach, because isn't that the guy that's in charge of keeping the players healthy? I don't know what it is that he's he or she is not doing right now, but they are not getting it done because this team... <laughs> Is just, I mean, I know I just went on that ten-minute tirade on my soapbox about the health of players and so on and so forth with the uh, with the collective bargaining agreement and their practice habits and uh, and whatnot. But but seriously, you know, it's just it's it's epic what the what their off what their injury history has been like the last few years. I mean, it's unbelievable. Uh, we just you know, like I said, we went into that Tampa Bay game as healthy as we've ever been. We lost like three or four guys in that game. We come into this one, lose a few more, and who knows what the hell this team is going to look like next Sunday against the Titans. You know, what's the offensive line going to look like? Is Bobby Massey going to come back? Is Tank Top Guy going to have to start for us again, or is Josh Sitton going to be back, you know? Um, Anything else? I mean, who the hell is our tight end going to be? I saw somebody tweet uh, yesterday during the game that uh, Tony Moyaki, who who played well for us in the preseason, is probably on a plane to Chicago right now with Zach Miller out. He was one of Jay's favorite targets in the preseason when Zach Miller was out with the concussion 
uh, protocol. So maybe he's on his way to Chicago right now to, to sign a deal to play with us for the rest of the season. You know, it just, uh, you know, will Eddie Goldman be back so we can, so our pass rush can be back together? Will Leonard Floyd play? Was it just a scary moment and he's fine now and he'll play on Sunday? Or is he, they're going to be out? Or with the season being in the, the state that it's in, will, will uh, Pace put him on injured reserve just like, you know what? It's not worth it. We're going to save you for 2017. You're done. I mean, where do we fall on that one? So, I mean, I couldn't exactly fault the Bears for wanting to do something like that. But at the same time, got to let the kid play. So, Anyway, you know, who the hell are we going to have on the field on Sunday? That's a great question. Who knows? And the strength and conditioning coach is supposed to be the ones that get their bodies and their minds right to play on Sunday, and they're not getting it done. And then finally, the bear up, so we'll end on a somewhat positive note, to Pat O'Donnell. You know, he had huge punts. He was kicking into the wind and everything uh, on Sunday. He's had a pretty decent season. He had an outstanding game and really the only person that stood out. And that was one of the tweets that I punched out yesterday was, if the punter is the best player on the field, you're doing it wrong. And that's quite frankly what the Bears, that's what's going on with the Bears right now. You know, the punter was the best player on the field yesterday. You are definitely doing it wrong. So, and two and eight. That makes sense when your punter is the best player on the field. So anyway, that is going to do it for the week 11 review episode of the Chicago Bears review. Come back on Thursday and it will be Thursday. Uh, I uh, right now I, I'm, I'm scheduled to talk to Dan Cotton uh, on Wednesday. We had him on in the preview episode uh, for the Tennessee Titans. Uh, I'm scheduled to have him on Wednesday. Hopefully we can nail that down to confirm it and we'll have our conversation. If not, I will definitely be releasing episode on Thanksgiving um, on Thanksgiving Thursday uh, for everyone uh, to hear. So, uh, you know, despite the holiday, I will be able to crank the episode out. So be sure and check it out. And, um, you know, until then, my name is Larry D. And this has been the Chicago Bears Review. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast.